And we're back with episode 18 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim, and I'm here with... Adam Messinger. And my last name is Mason. I just don't want you to think that I'm in the Witness Protection Program. Across from us, Adam, is a special guest. Yes. Uh, special guest, identify yourself right now. Uh, I'm Captain James T. Kirk. I'm sorry, uh, Captain Manny Gomez. <laughs> and what are you the captain of, Manny that Gomez? That was going to be my question. <laughs> my Dodge Grand Caravan. <laughs> you are the captain of your family's That's minivan. right. That's Congratulations oh. on that. When I had a family, I wasn't anywhere close to captain. <laughs> you were like a lieutenant, weren't you? You were, or I was a surf. <laughs> I'm captain, but uh, I have an admiral at home. <laughs> That's right. Remember, you know, we like, we like to look at our family here as a business. I'm the CEO, but I can't do anything without the approval of the CFO. I was about to say, she's yep. definitely she's CFO. She's definitely CFO, and I praise God for her every day. So now moving away from religion, let's talk... <laughs> We're going live to tape with this. Fuck it. Go for uh, it. So, so guys... How was your week? Don't all talk at once. This is I only was like a trying to be polite. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> stop being polite, Manny. Week God was, damn it. Week was good. Uh, got to watch some more comic book movies, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, hung out with the kids and did some more artwork. Neat, neat. And you are doing. You're sending me pictures, which are. Freaking awesome! Yes, right we're on. we're working on something, and we, uh, so far I'm just doing character studies, so that I, my style's not into it yet. But we're just trying to figure some stuff out, and I'm, the nuts and bolts going. And I'm doing doing a little like character writing stuff. We might do a little something down the road. We're not sure yet. We're just uh, having we're fun, having fun, seeing where things go. What exactly. are you doing, Adam? Uh, this past week, I have uh, been missing my job. Um, oh, I miss working because I've have right now I'm on workers' comp because of knee injuries. That sucks. So right, As somebody who's currently suffering a knee injury myself right now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to uh, my goal is to go back this week after I have my doctor's appointment and just call it good and yeah and live a happy life. But in that meantime, um, I did start kind of a big project and oh. I can't tell anybody about it. So we have a secret project. Do we can can you tell at least secret. the s- secret project? <laughs> can you talk about the vein that it is in? Is it a musical project? Is it a comic book project? Is it film? Really? Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to talk offline about this, my friend. I, Sorry folks at home. I yeah. you know, I'm going to be honest, I've tried to keep it to uh need to know only because okay. I secret squirrel stuff. Well, huh? all my all my projects and, and Kelly Sue DeConnick said this and I I found it to be true. Yeah. Uh, the minute you talk about whatever idea you have is the minute that idea dies because you've gotten it all out of your system. You know, I have a friend who has done a lot of writing, especially for games and whatnot, who's pretty much said the exact same thing to me. So respect for that, but please Tell us all about it when you can. I absolutely. If if this can take if this can go somewhere, uh, I'm going to be really happy, and I would be more than happy to share it with everybody. Cool. Well, you know, speaking oh. about film, mm-hmm. uh, we teased it last week. Um, what? Where did we tease it? We teased it online. Episode I sixteen. I teased um, in episode sixteen. We talked about this. I teased on the Instagram. Yes, you did. So yeah. So both online and on. Email. My ears were ringing. I heard my name. I was like, "Whoa! Wasn't Whoa, prepared for that." Hang on. Hang on now. That's my wait for it alarm. <laughs> um, that just sounded like like some weird yak in heat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some really bad didgeridoo. <laughs> I'm telling you. That, man, if you guys could hear what's coming out of my headset right now. We um, hear what's coming out of your mouth, and we're hoping it changes soon. It might have something to change. <laughs> I don't know. My, med- my medicine combo has changed recently, so maybe that has something to do with it. No, Understandable. What? But speaking of film. Yes, back to the film <laughs> back thing. Back to the film thing. We are here to talk about superheroes and animation, so this will be the first of a two-part episode. Because we don't know how to do them any other way. We, we re- we, well, we need to learn how to do them this way, <laughs> as opposed to just talking for three hours at a time. Yeah, so. fair enough. <laughs> so we're gonna, we are planning to do a two-part episode about superheroes and animation. So to tease the second part, we're going to talk about just cartoons that we like. 
animated shows, animated films that we like. But in this part, we are going to review the recently released Teen Titans The Judas Contract from Warner Brothers Animation. How's that sound to you guys? Sounds great. All right. So... People at home who have followed graphic content, you know how we like to review our shows. We like to start with what we liked about a certain project. Then we go on to what we might thought of could be possibly just a teensy little bit better. And then we give an overall rating. So here's my question to you. We have rated in fists. Yes. Uh, remind me, what did we were... Re- Claws uh, for Wolverine. Claws for Wolverine. Mixtapes. Uh, Mixtapes mix for Guardians. So I'm going to put you two on the spot right now and ask you, what is our 1 to 5 rating scale going to be based on this time? Pebbles? Pebbles. Pebbles or rocks is what I was going to say. Oh, Pebbles shit. Or ro- shit. Oh, yeah, rocks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to compound for that. Okay, so we're going to scale in one to five rocks. Okay, okay. And we're works. not talking just little pebbles. Yo, we're talking like boulders boulders you know? that get thrown at you by, by psycho hell bitches in spandex. So okay. that sounds like a Roger Corman movie. Um, <laughs> psycho hell bitch in spandex. That's right. <laughs> coming to theaters in 1971. Psycho hell bitches. Oh, uh, yeah. 1971. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? <laughs> like with Foghat doing the soundtrack or Fucking Foghat, that's great. Um, So here we go. Um, Manny, I think you're the first person to ask me what I thought of the the Judas contract. So I'm actually going to put you on the spot and have you kick it off. What did you like about the Judas contract? Deathstroke. I love Deathstroke. Yeah. Voiced uh, by the the late, great Miguel Ferrer. So good. I yep. that is the voice I hear now when I read any comic book with Deathstroke or anything that shows that mask. It's his voice pops in my head. I liked him a lot. Um, I never read the original comic, so just based on what I saw in the movie, I liked it. It got cheesy at at, at parts, but um, I like showing. I mean, when they showed Dick Grayson be a strong character yeah. and a leader, I really liked that because I've always liked Dick Grayson. Um, there's just never enough dick. <laughs> I saw a panel somewhere where it said, like, we need, like, something to the effect of, like, we need more dick. Well, okay. And so we're getting all we can find you, you, or something right. like that. You know that we're putting out the, the uh, original graphic content episodes that we're yes. putting. Okay, so in DC Rebirth, there was the Grayson book that came out. And they reviewed Grayson number one. Oh, you mean one. In, in New 52? In New 52, excuse yeah. me. New 52. DC New 52. I'm sorry, my mouth ran faster than my brain again. But uh, the, the tagline or the advertising tagline for the series is, or was, you don't know Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there I go. I, I just tied it back to that. And I really like how they made Tara be like almost like she had bipolar or she was two different people. Right. And I really like that because you could see the uh, emotion that she started having for it. I, I want to interrupt you oh. real quick because we didn't give our, our, oh, our cautionary. I literally was thinking that. I, I, I want to say this, and, and because you've been so good of stopping me, I'm going to stop Manny yes. and say, and this is just going to be, I think, a graphic content beat where it's like, who's going to beat who to the spoiler comments? Exactly. Well, it's my turn this time. To say that this is a full-on spoilers podcast, this animated episode has been out for the better part of a month now, yep. if not more. Mm-hmm. If not more, yeah. I think on VOD, it was, it was available mm-hmm. two weeks before the Blu-ray release. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want any spoilers whatsoever, stop listening to this podcast right now. We'll be here when you're done, okay? And then come on back. And you can hear us, you know, prattle on and on about it. So, Manny, back to the psycho hose monster. I like that she's psychotic. <laughs> I like that she likes the Teen Titans at yep. one point and she realizes it. But I'm telling you, just the warped mind that she has now, being yep. controlled by Deathstroke, is done so well. And it's voiced over by, uh, who did uh, Tara's voice? It was... Um, it wasn't... What, hers wasn't Christina Ricci, was it? Yes, it was. It was. Yes. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's done really well. Yeah. I, I knew she was one of the voices. I wasn't sure if, if she was she playing was. that or Raven, but yeah, that makes more sense. So, so, so you got a chick that usually plays a psychotic chick in movies doing the voice of a psychotic superhero. I liked it. Yeah. And the animation was clean, which I enjoy. I like clean animation. There you go. 
directed by Sam Liu, who was in the uh, Justice League um, Unlimited era. And he did uh, War, and he did uh, Throne of Atlantis. And And he co-directed one of them. Was it Crisis on Two Earths? He co-directed with Lord Montgomery. That one I'm not sure about. I know he did Flashpoint Paradox. You're right. And that one was, I mean, that was incredible. That alone would have got him chops to do anything else, I would think. He does really good with fight scenes. You Especially know, exactly. I have to be honest. Well, I'm going to save that. Save that for my not so much that uh, that section later. Um, but uh, <laughs> so so basically, Deathstroke. We had Tara and the characterization of Dick Grayson, yes. which I think I will agree with in my commentary as well. Uh, Adam, what did you dig about Teen Titans: The Judas Contract? Um, I'm just going to put it out there that I had to think about this as Manny was talking. I had to really dig, and I couldn't tell if it was because of what I liked or what I didn't like or just having really terrible memory. Um, And so one thing I did remember, though, was I really liked the interaction between Nightwing and Starfire. Oh, yeah. That had me cracking up several times. That That was my favorite favorite aspect of it. Even in the middle of a fight scene. They talk yes. about sex, and he goes, wait, not here. Well, yeah. and it's funny, they didn't really talk about sex in the early 80s Teen Titans comics, which I've said over and over again that I am I was a huge fan of, but um, I can tell you that there was that always that interplay where, where Dick could feel like himself around Starfire. There was something about, you know, being able to throw off the mask and not worry about worrying about not just compromising his own secret identity, but Bruce's secret identity as well. They mm-hmm. captured that extremely well they in did. this. They really did. The relationship really worked for me. Well, they set it up at the beginning of the movie, too, when they did that flashback scene. Oh, that was so priceless. Yeah. Like, I was hoping the movie was just that flashback scene, because I was like, oh, I like, I, that's the Teen I Titans. I love that Teen Titans team. I want, I want Speedy and Bumblebee yep. and Kid... Kid Flash. But anyway, Adam, I, I, I'm getting in your way. Well, I, I mean, I agree with that. I like that opening scene. I thought it was a very uh, very good way to establish uh, everything and what was coming forward. I also really liked the way they uh, portrayed Damian Wayne. I mm-hmm. thought Damian Wayne, that, inter- that interaction that he has with Deathstroke when he's trapped to the wall, yeah. yes. that was one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Yeah. You know, and I think I really like Damian Wayne quite a bit because they didn't go... I mean, yes, they established that Damian Wayne pretty much is a fucking peckerhead um, early on in the film. I mean, Damian Wayne is a, is more of a dick than dick. Oh, he's a dick. He's a dick. Do you agree he's a dick? Absolutely. And he's can, a dick to dick. You, yeah, he is a dick to dick. The, the, he's, but, the, he's the lovable asshole. You're the only one not to call him a dick. Exactly, because he's an <laughs> asshole. And I think there's some jealousy because I, of... His father. Exactly. But you know what? I don't feel like it was overblown. No. I, I feel like they, they did just enough to establish Damien as a real peckerhead. But at the same point, here's a kid who is Batman's apprentice. This is a kid who is extremely interested in what's going on with Tara, not seeing everything as being right about her. And he was the first one, even before Dick, who was ostensibly the better detective of the right. two, or at least the one with the longer well, training. the thing is with Damien is he has those Batman instincts. Yes. Yeah, he comes across like, like and Bruce. And that's what mm-hmm. I, really en- I really enjoyed about his characterization was they showed those Batman-like instincts yes. without being like, look, he's being like Batman. Yeah. It was a very natural uh, progression and very natural interaction with showing that. And also, I think it, it speaks to his training as a as the the grandson of Rashad Ghoul and the and the daughter of Talia Al Ghoul that and being the daughter the, 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 the prince of the League of Assassins the prince of the, yeah I mean the heir apparent and like you were saying they didn't overdo it because I remember when they did that Batman and Robin comic before you know right and it was him with Dick Grayson it was he was such an asshole that it kind of made me not want to read the comic anymore yeah. And then when they killed him, I was kind of like, well, I don't really feel bad. I don't. I I didn't. Jason Todd. So I mean, I like the idea of Damian Wayne. I like the characterization. I like the voice that Grant Morrison gave him in particular. But when Damian Wayne had to go, I was like, okay, his story has been told. Mm -hmm. Were you guys not reading Pete Tamazi's Batman and Robin while that was going on? I I read the beginning of it. And I have to say that I, I fell off of it. And that it, first storyline in and oh, of itself. Oh, it was great. That, like, 
to me, I read that in tandem with the uh, Batman Incorporated Volume 2 sure. that he was in. And that first story arc is such a great piece of, of work with explaining Damien and, and Bruce's relationship. No, and you're absolutely on point with that. And, and look, Pete Tomasi is a fantastic writer. I mean, he's one of the gems over at DC right now. I'm just saying that I felt like you know, in a meta sort of sense that his story had played out. But, you know, even though we knew full well that he was the grandson of Rachel Gould and could find him, we could find his body being stolen and thrown into right. a Lazarus pit, I, I didn't see it coming so much just because it seemed natural the way the story had progressed. And, no, I think it worked fine. I think I think Damien coming back has worked out fine. Well, In fact, it has... I didn't read that, but yeah. but reading like up into where he he does die in Batman Incorporated, mm-hmm. like part of what made me feel that was especially that that Batman and Robin story with yeah. Tomasi and Gleason, because in that they established the whole no killing code, right? And you get the sense that Damien gets it, right, right, and he that's where he finally understands it, and then then he's killed shortly after, right. No, you're you're absolutely right, and there was the great irony there. But he came back, yeah, and I think he's he's I he mean, was needed. He's, he was needed, and he plays an essential part in the Batman family because Batman has to have a family, and I mean that's that's his surrogate family, and we're way off track. So um, I'm going to just take it from there, Adam, and say Go that, for it, that I because I've been eager to hear your thoughts on so, this. So it is no surprise that I read the original Judas Contract when I was a teen way, way, way long ago. And um, I really enjoyed this story, but I had to divorce myself from the storyline they adapted. Here, you know, here's some things that, that, and mine will be a bridge between what I like and maybe, and I'll start off the things that maybe okay. I, I, I didn't like so much. But here's what I really loved about it. I love the two different teams of Teen Titans, that they showed a growth between when Starfire first showed up, what she was being in, in the original Teen Titans. The Teen Titans number one, Starfire, Coriander, was uh, being pursued by Gordanian slavers, the, the lizard reptiles with the mm-hmm. jetpacks flying around with the laser lances and the whole thing like that. I love that part. The fact that she can ab- absorb language from people by kissing them was exactly from the comic book. And she kissed Dick Grayson. <laughs> and she learned English from Dick Grayson. And that whole bit with like Kid Flash that was there, especially, you know, going into the animation style was very Justice League Unlimited, you know. Yeah, I did notice that. In in so far as it reminded me of how they did Wally West Flash and Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I can see that. It was really cool where it wasn't so much blurry lightning, you know, like they do in the Flash TV series. They're just showing a kid who moves really fast. The costume was a little bit eh for me. You know, it was too much red. I would have preferred the strict yellow and red, you know, but it it was a great reinterpretation. Speedy, I thought was dope. Mm -hmm. Bumblebee, I thought was dope. Beast Boy, young Beast Boy reminded me of the Beast Boy that I, I, I read about in flashback sequences in Teen Titans to his time with the Doom Patrol. So I thought that was all cool, and the fact that they were referencing the foundation of Twitter, all, yeah, all in that all in that same scene. I mean, wow, you know. And then five years later, it's a completely different team, which is what the Teen Titans did. They the, their roster evolved over time. That makes so much sense because I mean, you start in in the the cycle of life. You start as a freshman in high school, yep, and within five years, you are either in college. Or you're trying to figure out what your purpose is as an adult. Right. And to see that transition from the transitioning of the guard. Right, right. Is it, it was really cool. Now in the lead up to the Judas contract in the Teen Titans, both Wally and Dick stepped away from the team at the same time. I mean, Wally's powers were killing him. You know? Okay. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, they. That's were... news to me as well because I didn't read the original. Comic. Yeah, he was in a relationship with Raven, who emotion, who empathically manipulated him to join the Teen Titans. Yeah, Adam is giving me the 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 what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Raven manipulated him, and when he found out, he was like, "No, my powers are practically killing me right now. I'm out." 
you know, his metabolism wasn't as strong as Barry's was, we found out. It makes sense because you got all the same power at a younger age, a less developed human body. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I, I loved about that was is that while he found time, he, he needed to go. And Dick Grayson couldn't live in Batman's shadow another day. So he became, you know, he, he, he said, I, I need to figure out what I'm doing. So they spent all but about three issues. And in the issue before the Judas contract started, he debuted his disco Nightwing outfit with the pop collar and the whole thing. <laughs> oh, like yeah. That. But they talk about that on the bonus features. Yes, about they did. That the DC editors wanted, the Batman editor wanted Robin back. Yep. So, and people love Dick Grayson. I think if they had ever done anything to Dick Grayson, People would be really upset. It would be it would be a terrible. Well, and remember, Dan DiDio, I think I, I was came, literally oh, about to bring that up. I mean, the fact is, Dan DiDio near, came like I'm putting my fingers really close together for those that cannot see, but he came this close to to like mob rule, mm-hmm. <laughs> salting the gates of DC Central, you know, with pitchforks and torches, you know, calling for his head, um, you know, with with how he was treating Dick Grayson for you. For That's a few true. years. Well, there. and in Infinite Crisis, the original plan had been, been to kill Dick Grayson. And I don't know who talked him out of it, but somebody who knew what they were talking about said, if you do this, this will be one of the worst decisions you ever make, and you will forever get shit for it. I will give you, what will, the, what will be the odds? I'll give you three to one odds that that was Jeff Johns who told him that, since he was the one writing that story. To be, to be fair, I don't think he had... Um, Dan DiDio's ear that much at the time. I don't know because his some of his stuff was the best selling stuff of the time. I mean, his book. Well, you're talking 2006, 2007, and that was right as Johns was hitting his stride. He just started Green Lantern. Then it it would have had to have been somebody else, but I don't know who at DC would have been there unless it was, uh, oh God, who was the bat editor at that point? Cannot Jesus. remember. I'm trying to think of that I, too. I cannot. He he left to go to another to Dark Horse, I think, and then he bounced over to IDW or something like that. Uh, was it Scott something? Oh, uh, Dumbier. No, no, it wasn't. Anyway, yeah. Long story short, I mean, Nightwing was almost killed off in mainstream DC continuity for being an unneeded character. Obviously, he is because he was a guy who was on a heroic journey from the point when his parents were murdered yeah. to when he became Robin. But Robin wasn't the final stop in his in his initial hero's journey. It was to become Nightwing. Is is you know, and the, and this is this will be me referencing the part two conversation that we're going to have. But Batman in Young Justice, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, was he was having a discussion. I think with either Black Canary or Wonder Woman who accused him of, uh, of raising Dick Grayson to be just like him, and he said, no, I'm raising him not to become just like me. And I thought that was just such a powerful statement right there. And obviously, that was the point where Dick Grayson was at, is, is that he didn't want to be Batman, but he didn't want to be Robin anymore either. either. Yeah. And in the original comic book, the reason why he picked the name Nightwing was in a time in Kryptonian history... There was a team of masked crime fighters who still lived in the bottle city of Candor, whose names were Nightwing and Flamebird. And Superman so, was Nightwing, if I recall correctly. No, no, they were two separate dudes. I in, thought it was Superman pre- and Jimmy Olsen had gone into Candor and were. Nightwing. There was a story where there they was did a story that. Story okay. where they did that, but that was but in the pre-crisis continuity, there were two other guys, yeah. a, a dark-haired guy, oh, and a red-headed okay. guy. Con L or so I don't know who the Con L is Superboy, but yeah, one of the L's, one of the L's. But the point is, is that they had superheroes on Krypton in the Silver Age, and it was Batman and Robin. They were swinging. They had jetpacks, and they would then they would swing from ropes and punch criminals and shit like that. So he didn't just take on a name, you know, like I'm Nightwing to to give credit to the guy who raised me, but also to the superhero that inspired him so much, and that was Superman. And I thought that was really cool. And and so I, I really like the evolution of the team. I like the evolution of Dick from when he was Robin to when he beca- he came back to the team. Obviously, he'd been away for a period of time as, as Nightwing. And, and they show that he, you know, he's not used to them yet. 
right. fully, and I like that. And now, he's kind of stepping on Corey's toes you a little have some bit. Conflict, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. In the comic, you talk about the first chapter of the Judas contract being Nightwing's first appearance, correct? I no, the, he made it was the issue before do he they, made his appearance. Do in, they show throughout that story the difference between Robin and Leader Nightwing? Not, I mean, it was too soon at that point, and there wasn't time to tell that story, I think okay. is the best way to put it. He was just in leader dick mode. He was in leader dick well, mode. He had, which I'm sure he had to hit the ground running he in did. that story. He did, because at that point, uh, it was, he became Nightwing. I forget who else was there. And then uh, Adelaide Wilson, or Addie Wilson. Wrote, no. Was, no, it was Addie, yeah, I was gonna which say, was his Rose. wife's name. His ex-wife's name came with Jericho, and Jericho. Mm. So it was Jericho and Nightwing going off to save the Titans from the Judas contract. Okay, so you know, and then the, you know, so um, anyway, I'm getting, but it was it was when Jericho way back when he was an actual superhero, not a crazy mental supervillain. So um, well, I was just curious. As I said, I've never read it, and so you're, to me, you're the source on yeah. comparing the graphic novel to the the cartoon that we're talking about. And and I don't think it'd be fair to do that, and that's why I'm trying to divorce myself because otherwise, I, I run into some problems, and those problems are is that the Church of Blood, I thought, was enough of a threat of an organization that they didn't need to meld the Church of Blood with Hive. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. And to me, Hive was completely superfluous. The only reason why it was put in there from my... This is just my point of view. I have not read any interviews with the screenwriter or anything like this, but it's fan service. It, it, to for old school fans like me who like shit like Hive, or for people from who remember Hive from Young Justice, right. or you know what I mean. There was no purpose for Hive. They could have called it the Church of Blood, and had guys in red costumes instead of guys in yellow costumes and in yellow mechs. I, I kind of understand why they know. did it because I felt like it was this mixture of like uh, it was kind of like Hydra. Where they had the spiritual oh, okay. element, but they didn't have the technological element. I, and that's where I'm just going to have to disagree with you, because they just didn't explain Hive at all. And like maybe you like know. you said, the okay, my children watch, obviously they watch Teen Titans Go because sure. they're kids, right? Sure. So they know what Hive is. You know, they know Hive, what Hive was in Teen Titans and Teen Titans. And so yeah. maybe just to make people happy and to make people feel comfortable or familiar, they just kind of throw them in there. But they, they didn't need to be there. Yeah, I, and I don't. I never read the graphic novel, but you can tell like it was Hive, two different organizations. Hive was a threat in the begin to to the Teen Titans because Deathstroke turned down a contract to put a hit that the Hive, that Hive put out a hit on the Teen Titans because they got they messed up their operation with something. Okay, and Deathstroke's like, guys, I'm not going to take on a bunch of kids. I'm not. Later, you know, eat shit. So who goes through and gets, somehow gets recruited by Hive, uh, none other than Grant Wilson, Slade Wilson's son, Deathstroke's the, the ori- son. The original Ravager. The original Ravager, who puts them through a, a sped-up version of the Deathstroke super soldier process that he himself went through. And this is the comic, right? This is in the comic. And they reference this in this one of the best features on this video, and this is the thing I think I love the most, just being an old school Titans fan, is that they have this almost thirty minute conversation with George Perez and Marv Wolfman about the process of creating the new Teen Titans and the Judas Contract storyline, and they show the end of that battle where Ravager's metabolism goes completely out of whack and consumes his own body, mm-hmm. and he dies from the process. So Deathstroke, never, who never planned to, to take a hit, to take the contract, to take out the Teen Titans, at that point said, no, my son died fighting the Teen Titans, and yeah, he was headstrong and shouldn't have gone through this process, but I'll pick up his contract. I'll pick up his contract, and I'm going to finish the Teen Titans because they killed my son. And I mean, that was like... I mean, you got to remember, the time was like 1981 or 82 when this shit was coming out. And yeah, Marv Wolfman was as wordy as fucking Chris Claremont back in the day. But, yeah. But dude, these plot lines had the same kind of heft 
the same kind of gravity as the shit that Chris Claremont was was mm-hmm. swinging home runs out of the ballpark with over over on the other side of the of town, over at Marvel Comics. So I really dug all that shit. I just felt like they didn't have to cram it all together. Okay, you know that that was one of my problems. You know, and then also. The other thing that they crammed in there is that Deathstroke was part of the League of Assassins. That's based off of the, uh, the because of the DC animated universe. That was off of Batman and Son, or I was about to Son ask. Really, I was oh, about to was ask from. you about that. I didn't see that. Okay, so, so when he, it's, I think it's Son of Batman. Okay, uh, the movie opens up and it's the League of Assassins training camp or whatever. Okay, and. Damien is going to become the new heir because <clears throat> he's his grandfather's favorite, of course, the only okay. grandson. And Wilson doesn't like it. And so he, he he attacks the League of Assassins. So there's a continuity between all of these animated I was about, shows? In the Batman movies? Oh, yeah. If it's a Batman movie um, and Teen Titans, it looks like they're, they're melt, they kind of go together. Interesting. None, yeah. I, I'd wondered about that. I was going to ask you about that because I was like, are they... Because I watched Batman and Son, and I turned it off about halfway through because it took Grant Morrison's story and then just stepped on its throat and made it swallow its piss. Wow, that's a pretty ringing endorsement. Uh, um, I mean, it did. I was, I as I said, I turned it off halfway through. Awkward. I was, I was fucking <laughs> done with that movie. I was, yeah, it didn't follow the comic book, but, you know, they got to keep things fresh. But well, don't call it fucking Batman and so I mean, don't I say it's based off the Grant Morrison no. story because it wasn't even close. Now, to be fair, oh, they, and they and have adapted other Batman stories like Batman was it Under the Red Hood mm-hmm. was a great adaptation of that yes. story. It was I also thought. written by Judd Winnick, who wrote the the original uh, uh, Judd the, the, the original story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when superheroes start, start <laughs> hey, you being know what, real, though? I'm so uh, glad he. Because I, I liked him on the... He was my only guy I liked on the show that I could relate to, and yeah. he writes good stuff. And but, you know what? I liked his run on Green Lantern also. He made yeah. me like Kyle Rayner parallel to Grant Morrison in JLA. So, mm-hmm. anyway. I was an Outsiders fan of, oh, of Winnix. Doug, mm. Doug has run with Tom Rainey on the Yeah, the, the first, you know, 15, 20 issues I thought were really well yep. done. I You know, and I think we talked about this offline before, but that crossover they did with America's Most Wanted was no joke. It was really good. Yeah. They I mean, they captured the voice of a guy who we think is a TV <laughs> character with John Walsh and we don't and we forget that he's the father of a murdered son. Yeah, I had to explain it to my kid the other day. And, you know, it's a really tough story, but yeah, they played There was a movie his, about it too. Yeah. But I mean, with Daniel J. Trevante. You know, because I watched that movie, <laughs> I never left my mother's side of the Adam. grocery store. The yep. name of the movie Adam. was Adam. And then we did Co-Adam yep. if yep. it worked retail. Yep. And then, uh, That's right. yeah, they did that. I mean, we're getting off topic, yeah, but I okay. fucking love that Outsiders uh, mm-hmm. Teen Titans story, oh, the, the Insiders, where you have one uh, Indigo, who's we're, part of the Outsiders, just completely goes haywire, taken haywire over by becomes, Brainiac. And she becomes, what, Brainiac 12 or something like that? It's 23, Brainiac, I think, or some, some, something thir- stupid. Brainiac 13. That's what it was. Brainiac 13. And then Connell, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and Connell fucking, he gives into his worst fears yeah. Yeah. that he has at the time, yep. finding out he's half Lex Luthor. Yeah. Oh. And something ticks in his brain, yep. and he fucking shaves his head and just carves the, with the razor blade, carves the L into his yeah. ass shirt. Yeah. And just fucking goes off. So oh, dope. Man. So that dope. That was such a great story. It wasn't, stuff. okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy who did. The other half of the art, that was the guy on Teen Titans at the time. That would have been Barry Kitson, right? Uh, no, it was... Uh, I know Deonda did the Outsiders, or did the... Yeah, he did the Outsiders issues. Yeah. Was it McCone who did... Mike McCone. Was, yeah, did you're he, totally right. It's yeah. Because I mix up Mike McCone and Barry Kitson all yeah. the time. I know McCone was like the main guy yeah. on that. So, so I want to bring it back, and we should totally unearth that series of Outsiders, because that would be a great... Find for if if you can find those issues of outsiders, get them. But I want to go into the stuff I didn't like so much about this film. Oh, but real quick, yes, Wilson kills Rachel Ghoul. Yes. Oh, in the in, in the in Batman Son. Batman Son. He kills oh. him, and Damien's the one who makes him blind in one eye. Oh, they have a huge fight. You see, you know, in the comics, you know who 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 uh, blinded Slade in his right eye. Who was that? His wife. Oh. 
you know, when his when his mercenary work came back home, his son his son who became Jericho, and I can't remember his name, uh, his real name, but uh, the kid who became Jericho was kidnapped, and um, he even with his enhanced speed and reflexes, he couldn't per- uh, prevent the kidnapper from slicing his throat. Is that why he couldn't talk? That's why he couldn't talk because his oh. focal cords were were permanently damaged from that. Wow. And his wife, you know, when he got home, and it's like, well, at least I got our son back. And there's this picture of Adelaide Wilson with what looked like a Luger pointed to the back of his head. And he, his reaction time allowed him to only have his eye shot out wow. instead of getting shot in the back of the head. And it was just the most amazing sequence. I mean, yeah. Again, it just That's shows awesome. that George Perez is just a, a storyteller, storyteller. So, look, I, 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 look, I want it to be said before I go into my negatives. I really liked this film a lot, and I liked it so much more than Justice League War. Um, I didn't like Justice League War a lot. I didn't like Throne of Atlantis. Maybe I liked Throne of Atlantis more than Justice League War, but I really warmed up to this film. In, in fact, it makes me want to check out Justice League versus Teen Titans. That's okay. You know, just to see. You should. Because it's the same roster of characters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Does it fit into that bat- little Batman-verse that they've it, developed? It totally fits in with that, and it shows Damien coming to a new team yeah. and being Damien. So, in essence, this Judas contract is kind of a, a sequel of sorts to that film? Yes, it okay. goes. It's part two to okay. the to Teen Titans, and it fits in with the Batman universe. Okay, with Damien. Oh, and the last thing that I liked about it is Blue Beetle. So, I mean, Blue oh, Beetle yeah. can be in anything. I love my Jaime, and when Slade went, "Do you understand what I'm saying?" essay, I was oh, like, that was <laughs> awesome. You know what I'm going to do after I kill you? Essay. And oh, I love how so he, good. when Brother Blood was about to, you know, absorb all the Titans' powers. <laughs> They're saying, "Come on, Slade, you're not you're not this evil or something like that." And he goes, "You know what I'm going to do after they kill you? I'm going to eat waffles." <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> that was the dopest line I've heard. And I mean, they were dropping bombs. I mean, like asshole shit. You know, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. They wouldn't go to the F word because it's PG thirteen. But dude, I'm going to eat waffles. That's pretty pretty cold-blooded. So I just want to give some some shout-outs. I mean, I think the screenplay was really, really good. So I, I felt like they did a very good job um, also talking about um, where most of the Titans were, but especially where Jaime Reyes was in his being dislocated from his family mm-hmm. and in a way that he is there to protect them from the scarab on his back. And I thought that was a really interesting way of bringing him into the team. Giving you know, since you, you have Cyborg, who was part of my new Teen Titans that I read as a kid, you needed a character with unwanted power. I know? hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. That's a he. I mean, if not, you're going to replace one, that makes so much sense. Because it, it, originally, I had a lot of problems that it wasn't a direct translation. Right, him being one of those problems. But when you put it in that kind of light, makes sense. Him being there makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, look, like. I don't like the fact that I would prefer Cyborg with the Teen Titans as opposed to with the Justice League. I've, I've said that since the dawning days of the New 52. But you know what? That ship has sailed. No matter what I say about it, he is the he is the technical genius. He's the Tony Stark of the Justice League. Fine, I can live with that. But to have that character, everybody else wants to be a hero. And in I'm the Teen just, Titans, you see him uh, arguing, arguing with the Scarab. With the scarab. And, it's and, great. And I thought that was that was a fantastic. If you're gonna if you're gonna you know transpose characters, I thought he was a great character to do that with. So, what didn't I like about? Well, I already talked about the mashup between the Church of Blood, and which I guess they had a Church of Blood, but they didn't ever call it the Church of Blood. No, it was they Brother didn't. Blood is in charge of Hive. Whatever you know. <laughs> uh, you That's know. why I drew the Hydra comparison, uh, and and it's a fair one at that. You know, That's it, true. You know, Hive is just the ubiquitous villainous organization. Um, you know, he, you know, here is a villainous enterprise should be the actual acronym for Hive. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> I can just come up with these on the spot. Ask John Wright. So anyway. Um, I, I think one of the things I did not like about the fight sequences in this is 
Sam Liu directs fight scenes straight. You know, in other words, he frames the action shot, which is great. You know, he he shows some group action. He shows some one-on-one action. All that's fantastic. Whereas, if I'm comparing it with other direct-to-video DC animation superhero films, like my favorite is Crisis on Two Earths, which, if I remember correctly, was directed by Lauren Montgomery, who was also on Jail and JLU, is that she's the one who brought shaky cam to the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Remember the underground fight scene with Roulette and, and Black Canary and Green Arrow trying to find out what happened to Wildcat? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was directed by Lauren Montgomery. That was such a great episode. And there was those points where it's like Wonder Woman's coming up and, you know, the camera's shaking like, oh, shit, I'm going to get hit and pow, you know. Wasn't that written by, like, Gail Simone? It was written by, like, a comic writer. I I think it was written. Oh, Gail. God damn, what is Gail Simone doing right now? She's got an image comic coming up. Oh, we'll talk. I met her last year. Okay, we're going to talk about that on a future episode. I just know that. Uh, mark it down, Adam. Go ahead. Write it, I will write etch, it. On, etch it into the table. There. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure your wife would really. She's enjoy not going to mind. You know, no. this is the graphic content studio. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but, okay, fair but, enough. But um, you know, so I I just feel that there was a not not enough playing with the set pieces of where the fight scenes were taking place. I felt like all the dyna- dynamism that took place in the middle of a fight sequence came from Tara changing the the way the battlefield was laid out otherwise the titans would have would have operated in this cube fight scene and done anything other and wouldn't have done anything other than superficial damage to the environment mm. so you're saying it was lazy i have to i have to i, I didn't felt, like that they didn't fight together i didn't I, like that they didn't you they, know the you know and now and, that you say that there was no team you no, know the only team ups the only teamwork was done between starfire and nightwing hey yeah. let's do that thing we practiced okay go which was a oh fine. that was such a great joke that was great here <laughs> here <laughs> or when no. they're in the computer the computer control room and right. she's working and he's talking and he just throws a battering and hits the guy like yeah. no big deal and they're talking about their personal life. Right. I like that. That stuff. was very yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. I thought that part was good but I just felt like man, you have what is essentially an unlimited budget for for an animated feature. Why not do something crazy? You know, like It could have been time constraints. It could have been time constraints, but I just I felt like the cho- the fight choreography was lazy if these were real people. I felt like the effects work was was basic. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm not saying that these guys aren't talented who did who work on this show. But you're saying you expected more out of I, them because I, you've seen better. I've seen better, you know, and I can't say that I've been watching as much of the recent stuff that maybe you have, Manny, and you, Adam, but I can tell you what I like and what I don't like, and I just felt like I didn't get enough raw oomph from the fights. I think that's my biggest complaint besides the needless mashing up of organizations <laughs> and whatnot. So, uh, Adam, what was something that that comes to your mind? Oh, gosh, here we go. I was not, I did not enjoy the film. Okay. Part of this, I think, is because while I can't remember what I ate yesterday, I can remember back to about 10 years ago. When was it spicy? It definitely wasn't because <laughs> I would still be in the bathroom. Uh, but I remember back to 10 years ago when they said, hey, we're going to do animated features every quarter or some shit like that. Right, right. And they had a lineup. The first one was Superman Doomsday. Gosh, there was another one that was... I was just like, oh, cool, they're adapting that comic. And then the third one was going to be Judas Contract. Yep. So in my mind, when they finally announced this, even though this wasn't the case, it had been in production for 10 years. Well, no, and you're absolutely right. In fact, right. I was at that Comic-Con, that San Diego Comic-Con, where they, where they announced all this show. I want to say it was 06, 08. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was one of those two years, and I'm going... Whole, I mean, I nearly wet myself when they said we're going to adapt the Judas contract, and I'm like, "Holy shit! How?" It, it That's was, how I knew they were serious about this yeah, because it, I was like, "You're pulling this straight mm-hmm. from the and, comics and, and I'm putting thinking, it on screen." And I'm still looking at from our last episode when we talked about our trade collection. So I still have my my deluxe edition. Wasn't of the New, New Frontier, Frontier number two? That's what it was. Yes, New Frontier and was number two. three was. Because uh, Dark Knight was coming out, they made. I think they jumped it and they made Gotham Knight the third one. 
Maybe, yes. Gotham Knight was the third 2008, movie. 2008, yeah. Because uh, The Dark Knight was coming out at the same they, time. So they tied it together. Yes. And I think yeah. that she that, just got booted. Yeah. It got, well, it got pushed. So I was thinking they were going to adapt. You know, so they were going to have Donna, Wally, Corey, mm-hmm. yep. Gar. You know, they were going to have the original and do it in sort, like they did in, in Gotham Knight and the way they did in New Frontier, where they were going to try and, you know, adapt the style of George Perez. That's exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were all expecting for a while because that's what they were doing. And even now, I think part of it was I had that in my brain and it never changed. So when that wasn't there, I was already, it already had a strike against it. Um, not only that, uh, I wanted to see the direct translation. I wanted to see it set, okay, in modern day, that's fine. But I wanted to see Jericho. I wanted to see Changeling. Yeah. I wanted to see yeah. that era of Titans. Uh, in those characters, so when they gave me the current, mod- right. the current uh, Titans, basically from the the Teen Titans Rebirth book, uh, they essentially gave me those characters. I was just like, well, this isn't what I want. Yeah. Uh, they gave me hamburger when I wanted chicken. Well, and, okay. And that- so it's like when you get through the drive-through, you yeah. place an order for a whatever combo, and you get the chicken. You go. Oh, all right, I'll fucking eat the chicken or I'll eat the hamburger, but I wanted the other thing. Yes, right. that was exactly how okay. I felt I about it. it. I get it. And so, I mean, I, I was already disappointed with that. Um, I tried to shut my brain off at a certain point and just let it be. Yeah. And I was able to do that to an extent, but overall, I was it was kind of I, it was kind of forgettable. Oh yeah. And I felt okay. like it was it was. Uh, it didn't have enough high point dy- dynamics, and I think the yeah. the fight scenes might have contributed to that, like you said. So I was I was overall I mean overall the the whole thing was a disappointment to me. Yeah. And while I there were things I did like, I actually liked the Jaime Reyes uh, romance that they developed. Actually, that and they was didn't really, do that enough. I felt well, it made me want a Blue Beetle series like. <sighs> Like that would Cartoon be so Network great. Series that is just Jaime. Oh yeah, you know, I, God damn From it. From a Hispanic guy right here, it's so cool. See, and then he spoke Spanish at some points and stuff right? like that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this offline, Manny. That I, I find that Jaime Reyes is is actually one of the most like Kamala Khan is over at Marvel. Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think Jaime Reyes is one of the most important characters that they still don't just get quite right. You know, it, I can't and, agree more. You know, and right now with all the turmoil and or whatever you want to call it coming out of Washington, right? All the Marvel business. should use her more, and we should use Jaime more at DC. R- DC, exactly. You know, yeah. since I, we're I being just, targeted. I yeah. mean, I'm just saying. Well, you know, you know? That, that it's so it's just at the forefront of every t- everybody's thinking. You know, look, we we record from Northern California, otherwise known as the hippie cap- capital of the United States. Not our town. Our town's Actually, fucking no, conservative. We're cons- yeah, because we're yeah. farmland. Yeah. We're farmland here. You know, and that's what I want to tell people out there. We're not Portland. We're not Seattle. No, I wish. We're not we're New red. York City. We're we're coming from we're we're broadcasting from a deep red territory here. Um and you know, I don't want to turn this into a political podcast, but Jaime Reyes is a fucking important character because he's the only brown character that has really stuck. I mean, I think White Tiger over at Marvel was pretty close. The Ava they, they Ayala. Tr- they tried, and then they pulled the rug out from under it. They don't did. make me bring up El Dorado from the old Superpowers oh, cartoons. My. Oh, gosh. I'm going, I'm going to turn invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember El Dorado. I was like, "That's who we get. That's who I got." Are you kidding? Like, we have a rich culture of like you know skeletons, Day of the Dead, or you know the Aztecs cutting people's limbs off. Right. No, we got El Dorado you with a fucking, cape. Yeah. Uh, hey, he had this dope chess piece. You know, if he was a luchador, oh yeah, it, they should have at least given him a luchador yeah. mask. I'm just no, saying. No, we got El Dorado. <laughs> oh. Okay, back to our so Manny uh, and and I recognize it. You know the the you know where you where you're coming from, Adam. But I want to see Manny. You are a connoisseur of animation. I know you. You dig. I dig cartoons. You dig yeah. cartoons and I mean, hard, <laughs> way hard. And you are also sharing with your kids. So. Mm-hmm. You know, what was something about this that that didn't sit right with you or that you thought could have been done so much better? It got cheesy. Okay. At the end. I don't think they gave Tara the proper 
death. Yeah, it was quick. It was quick. One, two. Wasn't it like one? I, my, this is where okay. my old man memory comes yeah. in. No, you're you're on the right track. Wasn't? Go ahead. Didn't she just like? It was like one of those to. It was like a fall in the water and you never see the body type no, of thing. No, there was a body. There was a body. There was a body in the original comic. No, I meant in the the animation. No, there was the body. Okay. She was alive for a minute, a minute after yeah. they dug her out, and then she died right at the end. Okay. Or at I, least intimated, but it wasn't... It's no. like, did she close her eyes dead, or did she... Because they had Gar's voiceover... By the way, Kevin Smith was fucking great. Great yeah. cameo in that. Oh, you yeah. Know, doing the yeah, Kevin Smith I loved pod. that. That was cool. My kids love that, because they know who Kevin Smith yeah. is now. Fat Man yeah. on Batman, so they, they just now worship him. I'm like, wait till you're older. Yeah. I'll let yeah. you watch the movie. Yeah. You'll watch the- <laughs> But I didn't like the the voiceover was cheesy for me. Yeah, the voiceover was cheesy because it, it went in. It was a monologue for Beast Boy, mm-hmm. and um, I think it would have been better to hear the Titans in the moment when Terra was dug out and died I versus wanted, that. I wanted that. I wanted be, that because minute. they felt you could tell like Starfire felt sorry for her. And they showed that in the animation. Like, she was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yes, you betrayed us, but I feel sorry for you. And it was Garf's first love. Yeah, and then it just In the comic, a- it was his... I don't know if you knew this, Adam. I mean, it was his first... Because he became a teenager yeah. in the, the Paris Wolfman era. And it was his first love. I and mean, the, his high school bromance. What's funny is that was one of my gripes, I felt like, is that... They didn't give those two enough screen time to develop yeah. that, yeah. right? Because that would have given us more turmoil, exactly right, in her head. Yes, and it would have it would have anchored us to the character more. They just got to get away from the seventy seven minute paradigm. That seventy seven mm-hmm. minutes is all you get, or whatever the the length is. But I'm sorry, Manny, no, I cut no. you off. I mean, that's what I didn't like. Okay, she was the villain. Yes, who got you know who got betrayed, and so you see you know her wrath come mm-hmm. unleashed. And then her death, you know, she dies, and then it just turns into like, oh, you know, you know, as heroes and blah 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 blah. And it just turned into it just I didn't like it. If she's gonna die, let her die with like let us mourn or be angry. But what they did is just kind of threw a blanket over it and said, Okay, on <laughs> three the months later, yeah. they've yeah, had and their I chance. don't like that. I, I wanted more. She basically destroyed them. She was such an important character in the original Teen Titans run before the Judas contract. I mean, the fact that we knew from the, from the word go that she was a bad egg, but she was a bad egg because she just came from a fucked up background, you know? And They didn't really give us any of that. They didn't give us any of her background other than a little bit of accent to the people who thought she was a witch. That was it. And if, was you, it. if you go back to Justice League versus uh, Teen Titans, if I remember correctly, the, you know, they have post-credit scenes now. Yeah. It's her flying towards uh, Titan Tower with, with on a rock. Yeah, and so even that didn't establish how important she was going to be. I didn't you even knew watch. That, I didn't stay till the end credit scene. So I mean, we knew the Judas contract was coming up, but like like Adam, we didn't get anything. We didn't get any turmoil or anything from her just from that one episode. Yeah, and I mean, or movie, and yeah, and her death, if anything, should have explained how much. Pain she caused the Teen Titans. Yeah, instead of just oh everything's gonna be okay and we you know now we're gonna fight. It was shallow in that aspect. It really, Mm -hmm. it really. I mean, to me, it was a flat note, complete flat note. They missed the mark there. They really did. So look, we talked about what we really, really liked about it. We talked about some things that we didn't like so much about it. And um, can I mention one more thing I didn't like? Or you do this every I damn do. time. God I do. Damn uh, it. Sorry. Uh, well, I saw where you it's were going, okay. and I had this. I this no, thought no. In my head. It's your podcast too, man. Just um, just go ahead. Go so ahead. I didn't like the juxtaposition of eras uh, because I felt like you stuck Tara in with the current generation mm-hmm. when she's not current generation. Oh, she doesn't okay. have any relationship with those fucking characters. Well. She has relationship <laughs> with the other characters. The characters that were in the beginning of the fucking movie. Like, no. No. You, it, does, it doesn't fucking work, alright? Like, otherwise, like, what's, what's the fucking point? Like, My that's not the fucking the story. Just... <laughs> it's not the fucking story, all right? You know. So that was like a big gripe for me. Okay. Was just like you stuck the character with the wrong characters. <laughs> 
It's, it, it was a little weird. And, it, and that well, bothered me a lot. I mean, it, the, the, Obviously. But you see, that's, that's the thing, is that I almost have to believe that all of these, like, okay, for instance, all of Young Justice takes place on Earth-16. So it takes place in the actual DC multiverse, just on parallel Earth number 16. Okay. But they established that from the get-go. Yes, they did. And I like that. And I wish that they would do this. If they're going to do, quote-unquote, continuity between these animated direct-to-video films, that they would give it maybe more of a meta Oh, to, yeah, that, and, that it would exist within. And the nerdness would be like, ooh, yeah. it's just taking place on Earth. Earth 2014. Yeah. You know what? I'd probably I, be able to swallow the Batman and Son a whole lot more had they done they that. that. Yeah. But instead, like, again, they're giving me, it's, it feels like a bait and switch with these films. I a get, little bit. I, bit, little I get bit. Uh, Grant Morrison and, and Adam Kubert uh, on Batman <laughs> and Son, and that's what I, I want to see. They're like, yeah, it's what we're going to do. And the only thing they fucking take from it is Damian Wayne exists. Fuck you, Adam. We do what we want. And they mix that one with... <laughs> Essentially. And that's a, so this Justice League movie goes with the Batman and Son. It also goes with the uh, Quarter Owls one, whenever one that was. Oh, I didn't they see all, that one. Because it's the same Damian. They use the same Damian. Okay. So as long as you... So if you've seen them all, you, it explains Damian a lot more. Well, then it... it you know, I felt like Damien was a winning part of this film, so I'll say he was. I, I'm now curious about the other films that he appears in, if his character is consistent through them. So, well, and, and that was the other thing they did a Batman vs. Robin movie that was based off the uh, the Grant Morrison right uh, Andy Clark story, yep. and I was just like, well, this already has Bruce Wayne in it, so you've already fucked up. Yep. Yeah, and and so like that's the thing. If they did establish it was another universe, I would be fine with it. But you're fucking you're you're All fucking with me. They could have just done a Star Wars like text crawl. Bruce Wayne is missing and presumed dead. Dick Grayson you is know, taking on the mantle. And if you're a DC you fan, know. hey, you understand there's different universes. I mean, right? There's even a I do. I was five years old when Crisis on Infinite Earths came out. But as oh, I got older, God, I realized so old. there was different. <laughs> Earth. <laughs> I fucking nerded out when I don't know who said this, but somebody said everything's in continuity. And I was like, what does that mean? And somebody said, no, all the different DC films fit with the DC comics and they're yeah. all part of the fucking multiverse. And my I had a huge nerdgasm. Yeah. And well, I was, you know what's interesting is there's this card game that you might have heard of called Sentinels of the Multiverse. Have you ever yeah, heard of that? Yeah, I played that with you. So yeah, you did. You played. So there's this great card game out there, and, and there's it's not like a Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. mini, where the decks are all pre-constructed, so you can play the Superman-like character Legacy or the Speedster Tachyon oh, wow. or or um, uh, the the Wraith, who is a Batgirl analog. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what the the authors of the game have said on on their own podcast was that. They have established the story, and they, they've even done so much as to make notes for comics that have never been printed. <laughs> so they have their own continuity already set up. That's fucking dope. But he said on the same podcast the very same thing, which is every game of Sentinels of the Multiverse that you play is in continuity. That's fucking it, cool. It's fucking cool. And it just blew my mind that I am playing on another alternate Earth in mm-hmm. the playground that they created in their make-believe comics that were never published. People, and people may think the alternate Earth stuff is confusing. It's not. It's fucking cool. You don't have to know it all. Just know it happens in a different place. And you right. can fucking go, you can go build it from the ground up. Just give me my Justice Society of America, oh, God yeah. damn it. So, quick, sh- quick shout out to uh, Martin Gasson who got me to read Crisis on Infinite Earths and said, "Okay, this is w- before you read comics, so yeah. this will make sense now." I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah," and it did. It's fucking dope. It's like it's crazy as yeah. fuck. I mean, it's Marv Wolfman being crazy as <laughs> fucking the Mad Hatter, but that somehow that comic book works in its twelve issues. But look, we have gotten off on so many different sidetracks. We have to call it. Yes, we're, we're just. You know, the anti-monitor wave is going to sweep through Uh-oh. the graphic content studio if we do not rate this before he arrives. So, uh, Manny, we started with you. We will now start the rating process okay. with you. Again, we are doing terra-sized floating boulders. How many rocks out of five will you give Teen Titans the Judas Contract? Three and a quarter. Three and a quarter rocks. Adam. 
Uh, I'm going to go two and a half. Two and a half. So you know that I like to explain my scoring. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to explain my scoring here. Number one, I'm going to give one boulder for voice acting. I thought the, the voice work was really, really well done. It was. I can't deny that. Um, yeah. I think this is the best DC animated film since Andrea Romano left working at Warner noticeable. Brothers, working at Warner Brothers Animation, and that's even you know you know that's just my own prejudice because I think she is a fucking genius. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I miss you, Andrea Romano. I know she listens to the podcast just like everybody <laughs> just does. Everybody else Have listens you. to it. Um, but so one one rock for the voice work. I'm going to give one rock for the characterization, especially what they gave Jaime Reyes in this film, and okay. for Damian Wayne. I thought the characterizations was was there. Um, I'm going to give a half a rock to the fight sequences. You know, yes, they were flat, but they were there, and I liked seeing the Teen Titans in both eras play. I liked how Speedy had a Kirby arrow. Yeah. Sh- oh, that was fucking dope. What the Fuck! Does Speedy have an arrow with Kirby with mo- what looked to be Motherbox technology to shut down a wormhole? That was fucking dope. What Woo! adult would give that to a child? Yeah. Oliver Queen. So I thought that was great. Um, you know, plus I, I just you know seeing Bumblebee makes me want Young Justice back that much more. Mm-hmm. So I, I give a half a rock to that. And I'm going to give a half a rock for nostalgia's sake because it hit just enough of the notes. The relationship between Corey and Dick, um, the the unwanted power melancholy of of Blue Beetle, taking that those notes from the cyborg character back in the day, changeling chasing after uh, Tara to get only one part of her psyche, but the other part of her psyche wanted to kill everybody, mm-hmm. and the fact that they they made her death scene take so long that they gave that minutes. Now her excavation was was too quick. And and I felt just like you did, Manny, that they threw a blanket over it, um, you know, covering it up with the voice with the with the voiceover that was needless. But the the it, scene where we see Slade possibly get buried in the rock, we're not sure. You know, again, no body. He, he, the character's still in play. That's the way comic books work. Does he say, "Oh kids. shit"? Yep. He said, "Oh, oh shit. shit." So he could have bounced at that point. We don't know, but. The nostalgia factor, I mean, they spent as much time with her pulling down the Church of Blood as they did in the Judas contract. So for that, if you add that score up, I'm going to give it three rocks out of five. And that's what I got. Are you going to give, uh, is part of that in there the... uh Tara being creepy trying to come on to yes. death stroke. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah, I was waiting for that and they did it and I was like, oh. I just I wish that they would have would have let that 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 scene simmer a little bit because mm-hmm. it's they, so gross. Oh dude, you haven't even read the comic. I have haven't. You? Oh dude, it's worse <laughs> than the comic. Ugh. And I mean, even I mean, and Slade is just playing her the whole time. But dude, she was wearing a white fucking nightgown. That was so and gross. Smoking a cigarette from a cigarette holder. Oh, <laughs> like she was. Fucking... And he's like sixty, and she's like fourteen. I know. That's it's nasty gross. as no, fuck. He's a fucking pedo. I'd be. I, if I was <laughs> Batman, I'd want to beat the shit out of Slade. Also, so. But they don't bring that up anymore. No, they don't. They really so. So, for the record. Uh, Manny, you gave three and a quarter. Three and a quarter. Three and a quarter. So you're the the American judge. Adam, you're the Russian judge with a two point five. Yep. And I am the judge from Luxembourg, giving it a three. So <laughs> the official graphic content review is a three out of five. So, kids, there's enough good stuff to watch in this yeah, movie. Go watch it. Rent it on iTunes. Do something. Rent if it you don't on want. iTunes. It costs you a couple bucks. I wouldn't necessarily, unless you're a hardcore sweaty, I would say don't buy it. But if you do buy it. The conversation that they have with between George uh, Perez and Marv Wolfman is fucking priceless, mm-hmm. as well as the additional um, special feature uh, where they bring in Mike Carlin yeah. as well, who's an old editor at I'm DC. I'm super jelly. I didn't get to see yeah. that now. Because yeah. so I was Mark like, Carlin. Wolfman and Perez, that's pretty cool. I wish I got to see that. But bringing in Carlin, yeah. who was editor at the Hawaii time. Hawaii shirt and all. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. now Mike Carlin is the creative director of Warner Brothers Animation. So. Yeah. yeah. So to have him who was there at the time these comics were being made with these two legends, um, the special features, if you're a comic book fanboy or fangirl, 
to me makes it worth the twenty dollar buy. So, Adam, I just you're had, raising your finger. I just had you know that Batman editor we were trying to yes Bob Shrek. Damn Thank it, you. <laughs> Thank and you. He went to Oni, right? Yep, that's they exactly. recruited him yep. from Oni, and then he went back. So, yep, Bob Shrek. If you're listening, you see, guys, that's why we have Jim and Adam here. Even though we're talking Judas contract, Teen (laughs) Titans, and we went off on so many tangents, he got us the Batman editor we were looking for. It just popped into my brain. I was like, he typed in that into the Bat computer. He did the Bat computer between his ears, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was just sitting there. It just hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, Bob Shrek edited the whole bat line at that time. Awesome. So on that note, I'm going to invite you, the listener, to uh, join us on part two, where we're going to talk about some of our favorite superhero and animation cartoons. Now we're talking. So, Manny, where can the kids find you online? Uh, they can find me at MannyLovesArt at Twitter.com, and uh, you can send me a message at uh, OneEyedArt at gmail.com. Okay. Just shoot me a message if you want something drawn for you. We're trying to get some stuff together for our studio. Okay. I've talked to Jim about it offline, and me and Jim have some ideas, and yeah. I'm sure Adam's got some ideas, and, you know, it's okay to be artistic. It's okay. It's missing in this world, and I think, you know, we need a lot more we of it. We need more art in this world. And speaking of art, my favorite artist, or one of my favorite artists over here, Mr. Adam Messinger, where they, can the kids find you online? Uh, the kids can find me at Adam S. Messinger, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you name it, I'm there. All at Adam S. Messinger, yep. who Woo. is an amazing social media manager because he managed to pick the one name for all the platforms. Me, not so easy. I'm <laughs> at Jimmers with three M's on the Twitters. On the Instagram, I'm Jimmers with five M's. I'm telling you, you got to switch it up and I, be uh, GC Jim. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know because I want to. I mean, I love this podcast, but I want to be more. I want to. Okay, be, I fair be enough. Some, I'm not sure. And then you, I'm just plain old Jim Mason on Facebook. So hit me up there and come back for part two of episode 18: Superheroes in Animation. Hold on. Hold on, Jim. I'm going to hit stop. I swear to God. Go read a comic!